Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. But we're back to the Neil Haley show here on the total celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program, Nicole Walters. And she, she's the boss. Nicole, thanks for stopping by. How are you? I'm so glad to be here, Neil. Thanks for having me. I was watching the trailer and cracking up. Now, what made you want to, in a way, show everything, meaning cracking up, just how you love your family dichotomy and how you guys interact? What made you as being a marketing successful entrepreneur decide to, to do this show? I mean, it's twofold, right? As a business owner, it's a great marketing tool. Obviously I get to showcase, you know, what we're building and all those great things, but on a more personal level, um, I wanted to show the other side of entrepreneurship, you right. know, that we're trying to balance families and that we are trying to figure it all out. And that I'm a working mom too. And I think that this show does a great job of doing that with laughs and love. I agree with you. And it's the, the thing that you think about it that makes it so much fun is our lives are not just this crazy thing that we're in a boardroom, right? And we're doing all these different mm -hmm. things. Family life takes over and we're, we might be on a, fall, a call with a client or getting ready to jump on a Zoom and someone jumps in the background, right? You hear screaming somewhere yes. or something happens. You get it. You so get it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. So for example, I'll be interviewing a, a major celebrity and I'll be like, oh my gosh, they're coming down to my office. Be quiet, be quiet. And thank goodness I sometimes have a co-host. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put it on mute. And I know you know the whole yes, thing. Yes, yes, yes. Put your Zoom on. Imagine your... that with real cameras the whole time capturing every moment, Neil. That is my real life, and that is this show. <laughs> so what did made you, did it, I mean, did it come to you, or did they come to, did they come to you in this, or did you kind of come to them? Yeah. So I had already been documenting and sharing the journey of becoming an entrepreneur online, both as a marketing tool and as really just authentically who I am to let people see another side of what it's like. So uh, in all of that, you know, we had this awesome production team come out to us and say, look, like America needs this. They need yes. to see that families are made up in a lot of different ways and that moms, you know, are starting to be the leader in families, you know, more and more and that they're the breadwinners and just, you know, with Black History Month and Women's History Month. Exactly. And they're just like, this just comes together beautifully. So uh, they reached out, we pulled together a show, which pretty much was them home videoing us. That's pretty much it. And, <laughs> and we had a show. And so I'm really excited for people to see it this Thursday on USA Network. Was it, was it, was it during the pandemic you did a lot of the filming? Yeah, so we filmed most of it this summer, and uh, it was great because we were able to stick with all the COVID guidelines, and no one got sick, and it was just really a positive thing for us to do that was kind of a break during all the craziness in the world. So it was really, really special. We could tell the camera guys were laughing behind their mask. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And just going through all this, and then how did your family feel about being filmed? You said you've done it before and kind of documenting as a really a marketing genius in certain ways you are, you know, building your firm you're like okay i'm gonna come up with this with my family before it happens so they were used to it then right you were always doing some yeah, facebook live or something yeah. showing your family 
Yeah, my family's used to me filming. It's just that, you know, it's very different when mom's holding the camera and when you've got like four camera guys, you know, like a couple feet away from you watching the whole time. Like it's a different energy, but uh, my family's really comfortable. So what you see on camera is really exactly what we're like. It's kind of hard to believe until you turn around and look at your family, then you're like, oh no, we're all like this. <laughs> <laughs> And it's true. We're all like this in some sort of way. And, and just what about the whole thing about a quiet house? Is your house quiet? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> Between <laughs> me and my personality and my crazy nanny, um, Eddie, he's insane. And then I've got a nine-year-old, you know, who's totally extroverted. I mean, it is just constant noise, but uh, you know, we do the best we can. And honestly, I don't think I'd have it any other way. So you, you, when you hired him, did you think it was going to be, he was going to be that kind of noisy type of nanny or not? Was that a surprise once you of got to Of course know? not. I mean, <laughs> I hired him, Neil, to do the job. He thought he was coming on board to be my best friend and get lunches. So <laughs> it's about finding the balance between the two. And uh, it's funny because on the show, we capture a lot of that, just balancing out I love how it. I'm actually getting the help and support I need as a business owner, you know? I love that. I love that. So basically that he became, you know, definitely part of the family in certain ways. But at first when he did interviewed, not the person you expected, because again, you probably with your kind of tell me like your daily structure of, again, for your business as an entrepreneur, you wake up at a certain time. I'm sure that people will love to hear that. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I wake up every morning. I'm in the office by eight. I've got client calls. I serve people in a membership community. And then, of course, I've got to create the social, the marketing, because if you don't tell people where you are, they can't pay you. Exactly. And then I try to be done with my day and home by five so I can put dinner on the table. So it is important that I have help and support. And I think that that's one more thing that working moms will be able to take from the show, that I don't do it by myself, that we all pitch in. And when I say Team Walters, I really mean it. And then we get to, do we get to see some of the team that's going on at your office too? Not just the family and the way you film? Yeah. Absolutely. So the cameras do follow me to the office and they can see what it's like when I'm trying to get through some busy calls and my family pops up with whatever it is they want, because, you know, there's no boundaries here. <laughs> How did that growth start so that, you know, this is the big thing at the pandemic. Everyone's creating new businesses. Everyone's creating new ideas. We're seeing it on Clubhouse, which we were talking about, where you'll be on Clubhouse today, even though it's not live, you know, but we're always on Clubhouse and something or some sort of social media platform. What have you seen with what advice would you give people and tell us kind of your story that start how you grew to where you are today as a successful entrepreneur? Well, the biggest thing about entrepreneurship is that you aren't trying to just uh, quit randomly and be totally unprepared. That's right. one of the um, mistakes of social media. Everything looks like it happened in a microwave minute when it's really crockpot success. So I always try to tell people, build a place to go. And that's exactly what you're seeing people do now more than ever. They're on social media building their businesses and starting to build a following and really eventually planning to get products out to those people so they can generate real income. And that's what my company does. We help support people in that transition so they do things debt-free and sustainably so it's been a really interesting journey um but more than anything i'm glad that people get to see both sides of the journey um on she's the boss on usa network absolutely and that just seems like it but so it was not you weren't an overnight success so you tell people there was a lot of struggle to get where you were to, to you are today. oh yeah i'm a 10-year overnight success it's a decade-long overnight success <laughs> oh and then just meeting the right people and coming up with that mindset of what 
it means to be a brand. What would you say, what means, what you look for for your clients that mean that brand building? What do you say when you're looking at marketing them? What, what is the missing component that a lot of people come to you that need your help? What would you say? I would say that, you know, when they come to me, it's twofold. The first thing they need the most help with are just the checkmark stuff, the legal, the financial, understanding just some of the basics on how to utilize tools of being a business owner. But the other part is they need that clarity, which is, you know, is this the best business idea? Does my product make the most sense? And above all else, do you actually like what you're doing? A lot of times we pursue things and we realize that we don't actually love it, but we do it because it's, we think it's the right thing to do. And what's great on this show is you can see that even if I know that I'm in the right place, that I'm still making mistakes as I go and learn more about parenting, about being a business, about being a boss. And uh, and I think that it's nice to see, you know, what that looks like and how I take it all with humor. And uh, I try to always tell my clients, look, you got to laugh at yourself sometimes. And this show will let them learn that I really do that in my own private life. Are you ready for being more known now after USA Network? and even getting more popularity. Are you ready for all that? And, and where you'll be recognized more and all that? Tell me. I don't know. I don't know what to expect, but what I do know is that I'm hoping that if this show brings people together and they're able to relate to it and laugh, that you know what's gonna happen is it's not so much that I'm getting more recognized, but I've just built more friends. You know, So I'm, I'm excited to make more friends through this process. Awesome. Okay. Again, you said February 25th, USA Network. What time will it air on, on Thursday? 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, 9.30 Central on USA this Thursday. All right. We'll definitely check you out and appreciate the time. And we'll see each other on social media in different places. And it's kind of funny, the way social media works now, we'll see each other live together. All Isn't that awesome? I hope that mm -hmm, this sure will. I won't promote it, especially for this, but everyone will find you in many different places. So I appreciate you coming by. Take care. Thanks for having me, Neil. I'll see you around the internet. Right, you too. You're listening to Neil Haley Show and watching the Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensex enterprise level video management software, Perspective VMS is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show.
Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Caregiver Dave Nassani. Dave, how are you? And I'm I can't awesome. believe we're sitting here in February, uh, you know, and it's cold. At least in California, you're not cold. But again, no, we're I'm sweating, actually. I had to take my jacket off. I don't want to hear that in California. It's warm. <laughs> then I need to come to California once. I know people are traveling. And Dave, you're going to be traveling soon, too, right? Uh, London in June, if well, you know, cross our fingers. Okay, I would bank on our guest being in Pittsburgh in July more than you if I had if I was a betting man. But okay, so go ahead and introduce our guest. We have comedian Steve Travino, and he is a very good comedian. He's doing this whole thing about uh, the pandemic and being locked down. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I almost feel like I need my fake background like you guys. <laughs> you, you, it looks like a studio back there. Then you've got Chris Rock in the background over there, which is, is pretty cool. Well, yeah, that's Times Square, that's, that's, you know, that's the Times Square. He had this picture up in Times Square. Yeah, so I don't have something like that. I'm waiting for that. Right. Steve, I spoke at the, NASDAQ and that was the uh, the uh, the little frosting on the cake. Oh, we'll put your picture on the yeah, jumbo. Perfect. Everybody now looks like they're in a real studio, right? It's perfect. It's, uh, <laughs> exactly. it's we'll work on it. Work on right, it. Yeah, but Steve, kind of like <clears throat> jumping really quickly, uh, we'll start out. Did you always want to be a comedian, Steve? You, you know what? I, I remember my, my dad and my uncles are, are probably the, the toughest men I've ever met in my life. Vietnam veterans. I mean, just real tough dudes. And back in the day, you know, the, the dads would hang out in the backyard and the moms would hang out in the inside. And I remember one time when I was a very little kid, they were all together inside watching HBO. And I remember seeing uh, Richard Pryor on stage and, and watching everybody laugh. And that's when I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I, I must have been, I don't know, six, seven years old. Wow. And ever since then, it, it's been what I've done. That's your passion, right? Yeah, it, well, not only is it my passion, it, it's, I, don't, I don't think I have any other life skills other than because you know, I, I literally I graduated high school, went to a comedy club, and I've never had a job. So wow, I, I've been doing stand up comedy now for going on twenty two years. So when you're wow. talking about school, were you a class com? I'm a former teacher, so tell me how you would yeah. mess with teachers. Uh, were you? Not I, I was. I was definitely a class clown. I was definitely very charming, but uh, I was also a bully, and I would use my uh, my tongue for. Uh, for bad things and and now you know i i've really grown up and changed a lot but i was definitely <laughs> the class clown and i love making fun of people back then and and now i just you know I, I making fun of people other than my wife is not what i do okay well wait a minute i heard a set where you were just tearing her apart i'm surprised you're still married are you still married I am still married because all how the does she put up with that all the proceeds from my stand up <laughs> go to my wife Oh. I, 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 I like that one. That. All of us. And she goes to Macy's. Okay. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> That's perfect. It's perfect. You're hilarious. So so let's kind of start the, you know, we talked about it's interesting, this comedian slash traumatic brain type of week. I don't know. I get themes and I don't even schedule these themes for my network. Uh, and we we're talking to a, an amazing comedian. But if you knew Steve, it'll come to me in a second that he, he's a genius of a comedian, but it'll, his name will come to me in a second later in our conversation. But he, uh, he again was with Frank Sinatra for 12 years. So it'll come to me, his name and for forgetting that. And uh, he wrote a book and all this. He's about 80 something. It was a phenomenal. Is it Don Rickles? 
No, it's not. It's not Don. He opened for, he was with Frank for 12 years traveling everywhere. It'll come to me in a second, but is he well known or just say, a nobody was your pack? Like, no, he's very well known. He's okay. going to be a Netflix plus. I mean, he's, he's been in movies, everything. It'll come to me. WKRP in Cincinnati. He was, uh, he comboed with Tim Reed. I, I, I feel like we're on a game show, right? Where <laughs> I have to like, like, Guess not steak, but the, if you were doing radio, I already would have looked it up. But right, he, right. with Tim Reed, he was the only black and white can, uh, tandem in comedy ever. And see, isn't that funny his name? But he was phenomenal. But he taught us so many different things. A comedian who, and he talked about his how he was a. How did you kind of hone your craft as a comedian? Opening, you know, for, well, you know what? For me, I, I found myself in L.A. and I, I found myself. You know, I grew up in a very small town in Texas and my dream was to be a comedian. So I thought that my path was through the comedy store. And I found myself at the comedy store, hanging out with the comedy store comics. And I quickly started to realize that I didn't belong there. And I realized that my humor is very down to earth, very family, very um, rooted in, in other things. And, and the comedians that were at the store, even though they're my friends and I think they're great, I started to realize that I was more of a, a, a Ray Romano, a Jim Gaffigan, uh, Ron White, you know, all these guys who don't live in L.A. and don't live uh, their career at the comedy store. So I think honing my craft just really came from a combination of me being the guy from Texas, me honing my skills at the comedy store, and then now leaving back to Texas to live uh, pretty much a normal life. I mean, my, my neighbor, you know, runs several restaurants and my other neighbor is an architect and the neighbor across the street is an FBI agent and a Texas Ranger. So <laughs> sounds I, like I good material. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. You know, living that, that regular life for me is, is what I talk about and, and standing at the comedy store till four o'clock in the morning is not me. So I think it was a combination of, of, you know, being a down to earth person who likes to be very normal and having this dream of being a comedian. I think that combination has created my style. It definitely seems do, like it. And just, you, uh, I just ahead. looked it up. It's uh, Tom Dreesen. Tom, Tom Dreesen. Yes, of course. Yes. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm the comedy theme, but I love it. But again, Dave, you looked up Steve. He is a he's a master in his own right. That's why I wanted to know how that kind of developed, and we'll go more into that story. Go ahead, Dave. Your next question. So, um, I want to know if does this stuff come from real life situations, uh, or you just make it up out of your head? I I don't make anything up. Um, I really try to keep it very close to my sleeve, um, very real. Now, it, there are circumstances where it didn't happen to me and my wife. I witnessed it or it happened to a friend and then I make it personal to me because I was there. Sure. Um, but it has to be real. It has to be honest. I, I remember I, I had that moment where I was telling a joke about my cousin's life. Okay. And what happened to my cousin was in high school, he came home drunk when he was supposed to be spending the night at his friend's house. And he scared his parents while they were having sex. <laughs> 16 years later, he asks his dad, he says, dad, why do I have a brother 16 years younger than me? And his dad goes, remember that night when you came home, you scared me. I didn't take it out of your mom. And now you have your brother. 
So I remember telling that story on stage and then people would come <laughs> up to me and go, I didn't know you had a brother and I felt like a fraud. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking, I cannot tell stories on stage that aren't about me and my life. Interesting. And so when you talk about, uh, you know, comedy, you said the comedy store just didn't go for you. So did you think that your comedy career, because it just really wasn't what your fit was, was going to just fail and that you were going to go to do something else? When you no, I, I, I always I always knew that I was going to make it. I, I just and, and what I mean, look, it went great for me at the comedy store. And, and I got I got plenty of spots, you know, in between the greatest comedians on planet Earth and in you the toughest room when you were working with. I mean, you were just talking about Joe Rogan, you know, I mean, Joe Rogan was was becoming Joe Rogan when I was hanging out at the comedy store. And, you know, I've been on stage with with Chris Rock and, and Dave Chappelle. I brought Dave Chappelle on stage and you know, Andrew Dice Clay and, and I mean, the greats, Bill Burr. I mean, Bill Burr and I go back 20 years, Kevin Hart, you know, so I, I knew I was good enough and I knew I belonged there. I just quickly realized that I didn't have to be there to have a career. And I thought it was the other way around. I thought I had to be there in order for me to have a career. And, and once I realized that, oh, there's other guys that aren't at the comedy store that have huge careers, you know, Brian Regan, yeah is not a comedy store guy, but he's one of the best and most uh, watched comedians on planet earth. So, you know, Russell Peters, I mean, all these guys, and, and I just realized that, you know what, hanging out at the comedy store till three o'clock in the morning is not for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, a lot of comedians would say how, Oh, I got my break from Johnny Carson when I was on his show, et cetera. Um, when, when did you realize that you were going to be big and when did you make enough money to pay the bills? And it wasn't just a hobby. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been very lucky that I've been paying the bills uh, uh, doing stand-up comedy since I was 20. Now, were the bills paid for a very nice place? No. Uh, but but I, I have been doing it professionally. But I never got in it for the money. And my career, I just kept working and working and yeah. figuring out a way. Never get And, up. well, if, some, if Hollywood's not going to film my special... I'll film it myself, but then to, to wake up today to be hugely successful, yeah. it, it just, I'm, I'm surprised every day when I look at the things that I have from stand-up comedy, because I didn't get into comedy going, oh, one day I'm going to have several exactly. homes and I'm going to have the cars. And, you know, I got into comedy because I loved it and I just kept doing it. And then I find myself being successful. And now, now with kids and a wife, now money is important and I want to make sure that my kids and my wife have things. So everybody that buys a ticket to me is my employer. They employ me. So I take care of them. Every yeah. single one of them. Now, well, Steve, so, that big break though. So no, he'll, that's what I was about to ask too. Is the, well, I, I think the big break, I, I got a Showtime special um, and, and me being Mexican American, they go, Steve, we're going to put it on Cinco de Mayo. I'm like, Oh, perfect yeah let's be a little racist about it right um they didn't air it much but because of that i was able to produce my own special and i, I produced a special oh. called relatable and nobody nobody was i didn't have a network i didn't know where it was going to go and we ended up selling it to netflix and that's when i thought okay here comes my break well it didn't happen what i did was i took clips from that special and I put them on Facebook, I put them on Instagram, I put them on the web, and then one of them went viral. That's and when that one went viral, it changed my life. In in a matter of a year, 
it had 140 million views. Oh my oh gosh. Goodness. And and now pretty much every video I put out there, you know, within time breaks the million mark pretty easily. And you know, ultimately I think my big break was Facebook and you know, people sharing my material, you know, Netflix didn't buy my special and pay me well. I'm, I'm not a Netflix comic. I got on Netflix because I sold it to them. And I did the same thing with the next special. I put it on Amazon Prime. They, Amazon Prime didn't produce my special. I did, me and my wife. And then wow. my life in quarantine, we decided to do the same thing. So every single special that's out there, I did it myself. And the big break comes from when somebody sees a bit, likes it, shares it and then they can go back and watch the full special you see what's amazing is looking at and see that's a great point that you make that your branding steve is netflix amazon you know that wow you made it meaning but it's not the money the money would be all those views and then getting and then the and then that explodes and you could sell it for different pricing down the line but really what people don't understand is that they can make it not just on broadcast TV or Netflix or certain things if they can produce some sort of viral content, correct? Absolutely, you know, and I, I think Joe Rogan proved that. I mean, you know, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan had a lot of success as a talent, but when he started distributing his, his interest to the world, it, it changed everything. And it's funny because my managers and agents, they go, Steve, don't share what you know with other comedians. And I go, it doesn't matter because if they're not good, it's they're not going to be terrible. And do you yeah, think, it's not going to matter. You think you have the right team too, even though you produce the great content, you think the right team to make sure it went viral? Because, you know, you do these studies and YouTube, no. But, and that's so you say no. Okay, that's interesting. No, but, it was, it, it was it's me, organic. And my wife, me, me and my wife were literally, she was my social media professional, which she knew nothing <laughs> about. And, and, and I was the, I was the standup and, it organically went viral. And then we put a video out several months after thinking, oh, well, maybe that one bit, you know, was a fluke. We put a, we put a, a video out a month later called the McDonald's. And that one now is over a hundred million views. So and see, uh, and Dave doesn't understand how much money you can make on YouTube. Oh, I understand. Oh yeah. Not, I mean, you know, the YouTube, even Facebook now we're monetizing. We retire and on YouTube. I'll, I'll tell you this story. Before I went viral with that clip, I was making $250 on a Wednesday at the Brea Improv in California. I call up the improv and I go, I want a Wednesday. And they go, the 250? And I go, no, I want the door. And literally that night, I walked out of there with $6,000. Wow. From one week to the next. That's how, that's one how week crazy to the next? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. You know, and then because I do everything organically, I make sure to take care of the fan. I go out of my way. Um, we, we take, uh, I have an organization called Helicopters for Heroes where we take care of veterans. I make sure to give them a gift at every one of my shows. I give every veteran in my show a koozie and I make sure that the audience knows that, that I care about them because they are my livelihood. Yeah, I just gave a gift to them and uh, I think it's them, but I, I'm going to have lunch with Dennis Prager as a result which I'm looking forward to, but yeah, I love helping vets. vets. Um, how much practice do you do with your material? You know, the new material, the old material, do you forget it? Yeah. I got to keep practicing it or you'll forget it. No, or I, it's I, all in there. 
I have a steel trap, man. I have a, a, an amazing memory because I'm dyslexic and <laughs> I was, I was forced to remember things cause I'm embarrassed to write. I can't spell. Um, so my memory is, is very strong and it's all in there. But you know, when I got unemployed for six months and not being on stage and not getting the reps, I was afraid I was scared. And I got back on stage and instead of doing the old material, I started talking about my life in quarantine because I had just lived it yeah. and I was living it. And then all of a sudden it, I, I found myself with almost 40 minutes of material. I, I told my wife, we got, we got to put this out there. It's so and see, I'm you so know? interested in that because my life in quarantine is going on right now still. It's, and that's why my beard's like this, Steve. And yeah, that's six kids. Too. So I, and then that's why, you know, I'm just living right. And the every day is the same. There's no difference. Like I'm trying to tell, I was telling Mark Rippon, I interviewed uh, Brett Favre, but I don't remember when I interviewed Brett. I don't know how many months ago it was. I forgot because that was a week ago. <laughs> and I felt, and I felt Steve, the same thing you did when we went in quarantine. Oh no, my online business is done. What am I going to do? How am I going to survive? And so what is that mindset of quarantine coming up with your material? I'm sure it really resonates with people when you, you released it. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was, I have a, you know, Mike's that brand of stand-up comedy is, is observational storytelling. So I literally just told the story. And then, you know, I work with another writer uh, named Brian Hart. And, you know, Brian looked at me and he goes, just tell the story in order. Talk about from the shutdown, you getting home, your experience with that. And then just tell it in order. So I did. And I told the story of, you know, I went from, you know, my wife panicking and cleaning and toilet paper being off the shelves to <laughs> me. Yeah. Me being tired of sitting on the couch and going, well, that's it. I'm doing all the honeydews. I'm going to home Depot and I'm going to start yeah, working. That's on what I house. do too. Me too. <laughs> Giant Eagle, which is the, our grocery store. And I would go, I go everywhere shopping. Now it used to be you go shopping, but it kind of saves us money at the end of the right. day. Yeah. I'm going shopping. And when we go for shopping, we'll get a sharpening cart and get six items and it'll take us three hours. Well, and, and right. like I, I say, dude, my yard couldn't be any nicer right now. I did so much yard work, you know, and, and my wife would go, why are you outside? And I go, cause you're in there. That's why. <laughs> and, and no matter how much you love your spouse, we are not meant to spend every single day Amen. and every single minute together. Amen. So you got any tips for a guy like me who, who, you know, wants to just do it just to, cause it, I'm a speaker and it helps my speaking, right? Cause you got to think quickly on your feet. What I did last time is I just listened to the internet of all these jokes and only the ones that made me laugh, not chuckle or smile, but laugh. I wrote those down. Right, right. Uh, I had about 10 of them. I memorized them and uh, uh, added a little of my uh, story weaved into it. And uh, I got laughs. What, what kind of tips would you recommend for my next? Well, time? I mean, look, I, I think you take what you do here on the radio show and take that to stand up. I think a lot of people think that being a stand up means that you have to get a laugh every two seconds. You're more powerful as a performer if you're interesting, it's right? I, I always tell I always tell comics, I'm like, hey, just because you're not getting a laugh, if they're not heckling you and they're quiet, <laughs> you're an interesting person. And if you start with being an interesting person and telling a story, right. then from there, as a talented person like you are, you'll add the fun. That's great advice. There you go, Dave. Dave, you just got a compliment. Great advice. From Steve. 
And that's yeah. awesome. And see, and I was learning from Tom uh, as well in that whole process, uh, Dreesen again, about that op- of getting, breaking the ice. He always yeah. said he made fun of himself before the first thing, that some story at the beginning to break the ice that he ended up not getting in certain cars, certain things to make the people laugh, to get the break the ice, yeah. then ask him to applaud. He really wanted to gain control of the audience. And I'm sure that's the same way with you, Steve, in certain ways. But I love this whole quarantine thing. I don't want to give it away, but, you know, I, I just I, I have so many stories we could talk about, Steve, just that are awful stories, right? <laughs> like, are you serious? This is what we're going to remember, like the first couple months, we couldn't go anywhere. And then the right. cool thing was we're going to prepare meals every day what's cool meal we're going to prepare today and then we're just thinking and no one you know the grocery store is only open like eight hours and you're like okay let's go prepare this meal and what we're figuring out about this meal and then i take my daughter with me my wife say why are you taking your oldest she's gonna get covid i said no 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 she's gonna help me shop because i need a professional shopper i can't do this alone and it's the pain those, those those lists are awful well, and, you know, and it was one of those things, too, where I had written this really great joke. And, and going back to my stand-up and me being sincere and honest, I, I really couldn't tell this joke because it wasn't real to me. But I remember writing this great joke, exactly like you were talking about, where I was taking my son to the grocery store and my wife going, I don't want you to get him COVID, right? And I go, but, but honey, he's low risk, right? And then the joke was, I, let, I take my son to the grocery store who is low risk so that when my mother-in-law comes over, I can be like, Hey, go hug grandma, <laughs> you know, but you know, I love the joke, but it's just mean spirited. And I, I just, it was off brand for me, but it was one of those things where it was really, really funny. Wow. Well, you got any plans for the future, any uh, future passions or this is it. See, this is it, man. As long as I can keep doing stand up and, and, and paying the bills, I'm a very happy man. I'm, I'm very happy in my marriage. We, we have a almost three month old daughter that, you know, my life in quarantine, we talk about how new, valuable that new material. Yeah. Well, you know, we had a miscarriage and oh, I talk man. about the miscarriage in my life in quarantine and people thought I was crazy for talking about it, but the outpour of support that we've gotten from people saying, Oh my God, thank you for talking about it. Oh my God. My husband is now having a conversation about our miscarriage. You know, so I'm so happy right now and life is good. And even though COVID is, has made me unemployed and, and I made way less money this year than I did in the past couple of years, I'm happy. But you got to be happy also the touring that you're going to get back touring. So let's talk about that a little bit. That, that yeah, yeah. I'm so happy to be connecting with people. And I, and I, I selfishly want to say that I think comedians help. I think musicians help. I think, mental health is a very serious thing. So for me, when I'm on stage and I get to see people laughing harder than they did (laughs) pre-pandemic, it makes me feel good that they're enjoying it. So that's what's most important to me about touring. And I miss cities. I miss going out of town. I miss being in another city. So do you try new material? A lot of uh, comedians will go down to the improv and just try it out, see if it works. Who do you try your new material on or don't you? I, I, you know, well, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be touring all the time. So <laughs> I will, I'll throw in, I'll throw in new material so while I'm touring, there. you know, and, and for me, it's like, I don't need to, again, I don't need to walk into the comedy store 
at midnight on a Saturday when I, if I'm off on a Saturday, I don't want to be at the comedy store. I want to be with my family. Yeah. So I, I worked that new material and, and sometimes, and as you know, sometimes nothing happens. So there's nothing, there's no new material to talk about. Right. You know, there's no, there's no inspiration. So when that inspiration comes and my wife or something happens in my life, I go, Oh, I, I got to go on stage and talk about it. From what I've seen and heard of you, you're more of a, of a guy who tells funny stories than someone who's just cracking jokes left and right. Yeah, you know what? I, I think a lot of comedians sit down with a joke book and they open up their joke book and they go, okay, let me write a joke about X, Y, and Z. I, I, that's not me. I, I, I tell stories about my life. I make them fun. I make them interesting. But I also try to reveal um, psychologically who I am and the struggles that I'm going through. And I think that that's what resonates with, yes. with people is when they see that I'm struggling with my marriage, just like you are. I, I think the vulnerability of it all is what is, is the value in it. Yeah. Agreed. That's fantastic because people can relate to you. They can understand I'm going through the same crap you're going through because it's just, it's impossible. We need to get outside. We need to travel. We need to do things. There's some, there's about 20% of this country that are doing these things. They're taking risks. They're doing these things and fine, but some professions, nothing's happening. Businesses. I have a day job as well. And I'm not gotten to travel to Vegas or Houston for the year. So that was a whole week away twice, Houston and right. Vegas, nothing. So now hopefully in 2021 in July, I'll be in Vegas, but we're dealing with those things. So that's the thing. So Steve, where are you going to be touring? Do you have the tour set up pretty much like best place to go name cities, or is it going to be a big, big tour? Well, I'm, I'm trying to tour where I can. So it's always changing and, and growing. But, you know, Texas, of course, my great state, you know, they've been open for quite some time. So I've been touring Texas. I'm in Phoenix uh, this week and it was sold out before I got here, which was great. Um, next most, week, I'm mostly doing, outdoors, uh, mostly outdoors. No, no, it's a comedy club. Oh. I'm at the uh, stand up live comedy club and they're doing 50 percent capacity. They have plexiglass on the tables to separate people and. It's a mandatory mass situation, but I'm in Phoenix this week. Next week, I have a, a private event for a children's hospital where I'm raising money. And then the week after that, I'm in Panama City, Florida, which is, uh, again, it's at Hurricane Harry's. It's not even a comedy club. So we're being creative. Are you the course, most employed? The I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you the most employed comedian right now? Because I don't see a lot of comedians out there doing what you're doing. People are telling me that I am. You know, my agents and managers are like, man, Steve, you're the only one working. But I also have to say, everybody should have the right to choose, right? Of course. Sure. But I don't like when I hear performers saying, oh, I can't perform. No, no, no. You don't want to perform. If you want to perform, Texas, Florida, Arizona, they're open. Yep. They're at 50% capacity. You know, in Texas, I was doing outdoor shows where normally it would be a 2000 outdoor venue. We, we put a thousand people in there six feet apart and they had to buy the whole table. So, yeah. you know, I want to perform, I want to yeah. work. And, and I think that I am providing a service to people that yeah. need to have a laugh. So, you know, I'll be in Pittsburgh, which, you know, Pittsburgh is one wait. of my, I'm Pittsburgh. He's in LA. I'm in Pittsburgh, but I can't wait. Oh, dude, you know, Pittsburgh is such, it is one of the greatest American towns. I really have to say that, you know, especially as a cowboy fan, it's hard to say, but, um, <laughs> Pittsburgh is just such a great town with hardworking people and a beautiful city. When you come across that bridge 
oh, and yeah. the city opens it's, up. It's, it's, it's not like it's the basic thing. Right? Go to the airport, you go through that bridge, and you get to see Pittsburgh, and boom, it all yeah. hits you right at once. That's the greatest thing in the world. I, I agree. So it's it's one of my favorite cities. And Permani Brothers. And Permani Brothers, right? Oh my God. And now there's one right by the comedy club. Oh, they really? put a Permani. Well, it's not the real Permanis. It's the Permanis like. Yeah, the fake Permani. Uh, not the fake one. But they, did you know that they said if they sign what's his name from Houston, they're going to change the name from Permani Brothers to, to the other brothers instead. Oh, I saw that the they were going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But, but Pittsburgh's just one of those towns that I miss. I miss going to Pittsburgh. I miss the atmosphere. I miss the town and, and even LA, you know, I, I do normally I would be in California almost eight to nine weeks a year. Uh, yeah. San Diego, <laughs> Orange County, Brea, Huntington. Unfortunately, Beach. we're closed. <laughs> yeah, com- completely closed. And and I, I miss it, you know, because yeah, you know, I lived in LA for 14 years and Although I don't want to live there ever again, it's it's a great place to visit. You know, I I, tr- I do a lot of traveling during COVID, and I get a lot of flack for it. For, a lot of people are crazy and passionate, and they go, "How could you do yes. that? How could you do? Do you get any flack for doing what you're doing?" Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll I'll, I'll say something that, well, and, and a lot of times too, that people that don't aren't married, right? Or, or what's even funnier is that, you know, sometimes I'll get a divorcee yelling at me about my conversation oh, I have with my marriage. A heckler, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, and then I'll go, wait a minute, are you married? And they're like, no, I'm divorced. I'm like, well, then you really don't get it. So, <laughs> so, so it's just going to write back to him. But, I, didn't get but I, don't, I don't do, I, I stay away from politics. Okay. You know, I, I stay away from politics completely. Uh, my, my philosophy is you're coming to laugh and get away from all the BS and you don't want to hear political BS. Is your stuff clean, Steve? Most of your stuff? Mostly. Yeah, I always say that it's it is it is clean humor with strong language. So when yeah. are, because you're such a successful comedian, when are we gonna see you acting? Whenever they want me to, you know, we we've uh yeah, get your own series. Been, well, no, but here's something that I catch a lot of flack for. And, and you know, it's funny because I'll talk about this on I was on Bert Kreischer's podcast talking about this and People are like, oh, my God, Trevino, get over it. The fact, <laughs> that, the fact of the matter is that I'm Mexican-American and I look like this. I, I can't tell you how many auditions I went on where they wanted me to be the valet Parker, the gardener, oh, you know, ha- have an accent. And, and I refuse to play that part. I refuse to be the stereotype. And, you know, they don't know. And they, by meaning Hollywood, they don't know what to do with me. You know, I, I, I can't one day they'll figure it out. I got an idea for you, Steve. You're already doing well on YouTube. Create your own show of your family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why we did the podcast. And the podcast is a weekly update of here's me and my wife and what we went through this week. And it's somewhat of a reality show. So, yeah. you know, and that's another reason on my life in quarantine. My son goes on stage. My wife comes out on stage. My mom comes out on stage. My father-in-law comes <laughs> out on stage. To show America that, hey, this is a real Mexican-American family that lives in this country. And guess what? I didn't grow up on welfare. My parents aren't from Mexico. You know, I'm not ghetto. I don't rape, murder, and and sell drugs. This is a real family that lives in America who is proud to be American. My father served in the Vietnam War. And until they get that, I'm just going to keep doing it. Dave, everyone has a podcast, and I don't know if Steve's on Clubhouse yet, but everyone has a podcast, and I'm becoming this podcast expert on Clubhouse. I'm loving it more than anything. Do you have an iPhone, Steve? 
I don't have an iPhone. I'm a, That's I'm a, why you're I'm not a, in Clubhouse yet. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stubborn uh, Android user. <laughs> yeah, once they open yeah, it, we all used to be about Steven podcasting is it's something you gotta love. But I think a reality show, you gotta do something. These YouTubers are making too much money. Then you'll tour when you want to tour. Then you'll get your big deal. And that's my recommendation for if you. If Ray Romano can do it, you can do it. Okay, Ray, Ray Romano. Okay, well, why don't we talk about the other ones? What does George Lopez think? Has he ever yeah, thought George of collaborating Lopez. with you? You know, George Lopez and I, you know, and I'm always honest and, and I'm probably going to catch hell for it, but George, George Lopez and I have had a very up and down relationship. You know, we've been very friendly in the past and we've been uh, complete angry at each other. And, and oh, you know, it, it's been one of those relationships where I am frustrated with George Lopez for not hiring Latinos in on his TV shows, uh, not not bringing the Mexican-American to the forefront when it comes to TV and movies and and bringing up talent and you know talking to George I've, I've learned to understand more of where he's coming from but you know it, it is a struggle and I'm a fan of George Lopez I think we need George Lopez I think as a Mexican-American he's very very funny to me however him being the only voice of the Mexican-American out there makes no the, sense the, the, right the issue that I have and maybe you have to do a serious acting Steve Maybe you got to get a serious <laughs> acting role in one of those that's really big. And then they say, oh, my gosh, you're the next big thing. And then you'll be doing an action movie with somebody. Who knows? You never know. That's how this world works. And you keep going viral, you will. All right, Dave has his final question is care a caregiving question. That's why we call him caregiver, Dave. He's not he's not a caretaker. He's a caregiver. So go ahead, Dave, and tell us. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a gardener. I'm a caregiver. <laughs> So uh, I've been married for 45 years, about halfway through my wife had this headache, right? It's almost good material, headache of her life. She wanted me to call Dr. Kevorky and put her out of her misery. But it was a holiday. We didn't go to the doctor because, you know, they'll probably tell us it will take two aspirin, call me in the morning. Well, it turned into a stroke. She lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. And the next two and a half years was like a living hell for both of us. We almost broke up, but we hung in there, you know, and our love was rekindled. And I realized there's so many other caregivers out there suffering, going through what I went through. And I figured if I can teach them what I learned, then, you know, maybe I can save them. And so now I travel all over the country speaking on stages. I've been on 35 TV shows, just helping caregivers stay alive because 30% of them die for their loved ones do. And I wrote four books. I believe that everybody, uh, you, me, Neil, one day you're either going to become a caregiver, or you're going to need a caregiver. So you better learn how to do it right now while you got the time. Not like me, you know, I didn't even know what a caregiver was. And all of a sudden I am one. So has caregiving touched your life, Steve? You know, I, it was interesting, you know, my um, wife's grandfather, he passed away a couple of years ago at, at uh, 89 years old. And, and I wow. remember my wife goes, you know, you see, he used to smoke and he got cancer. I told you, you know, you got to stop the tobacco 89. and I don't smoke. I, I use chewing tobacco, but I go, listen, honey. If I become 89 years old and I get cancer, I beat cancer. Um, but but when it comes to caregiving, he was taking care of his wife. Yeah, that's tough. Um, and he refused for anybody else to take care of her. And it was one of those moments for me that changed my life, watching him be a caregiver, watching the passion that he had to take care of his wife, who was... Um, now breathing through her neck and, and um, you know, bedridden and he would have to turn her uh, so that she wouldn't get her bed sores and 
change her catheters. And, and to me, he changed my life when I saw this man love his wife and be a caregiver the way that he was, that it just made me enjoy and appreciate my wife that much more. So wow. if there was a way for a caregiver to, to affect me, I think that was one of the best ways that it could affect me. And it made me realize that, hey, one of these days, me and my wife are going to be them. And I hope that I'm as man, as much of a man as he was taking care of his wife that late in his life. So that's what I would say that helped me with caregivers. Yeah. Well, file that in the back of your brain because one day you'll either need one or you are one. That's right. <laughs> so I started a website, caregiverdave.com and uh, lots of tools, resources for everybody. So thanks for the opportunity. Oh, and Steve, I, I, I just, again, love this. I'm going to put this on the calendar, July, Pittsburgh. I'm, and I'm going to interrupt in a second to make sure I didn't talk in front. Now I had to. <laughs> Perfect timing. I don't care where you're going. No need to edit life in general. Yeah, no, this is perfect for my act. Yeah, life yeah it's, it's perfect for your act, Steve. But we're going to definitely yeah. hang out in Pittsburgh uh, and uh, look. Paul, do you need your penis pump? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Steve is, there goes the comedy. Steve, best yeah. place to connect where people can get tickets and stuff. Where can they go? SteveTrevino.com. You can find everything Steve Trevino there, and of course. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, you, you put Steve Trevino in a search engine and you are going to get Steve Trevino everything. And then Google's going to say, do you also want to know who Steve Trevino's wife is? So <laughs> you can find everything. So Steve, did you Google me yet? That's what I always tell. That's in my bio and clubhouse. Google me. So just Google, me, Google me and see which interviews you enjoy best. But I look forward to meeting you in Pittsburgh in July. And I hope that, that it's not the same time I'm in Vegas, but we'll be happy if both those things happen because we're going back to normal and life will go back to normal. And all the connections I've made during the pandemic, I'm tired of these Zooms. I want to get out there and get on yeah. red carpets like Dave got to before the pandemic when I hooked him up on a red carpet in LA. I want to be on those. Well, let me tell you what broke my heart. I get moved to play Caesars in Vegas, NFL draft week, and the pandemic hit. And you want to talk about, like, I, I mean, I had NFL backstage everything, oh, yeah. and then the pandemic hits, no NFL draft in Vegas. And I was like, oh, my God, why me? I'm going to be yeah. in Vegas May 6th. Um, I forgot about that. When are you going to be there? I don't know when I'm going to be there, but you need to go visit my friend Brad Garrett because he's got, uh, you know, he's he's there at the MGM going right now. Um, they moved him to one of the ballrooms, so they're doing stand up uh, for the Brad Garrett Comedy Club in one of the, the That's ballrooms. Brad, the Brad Garrett, isn't it? Steve? Yeah. Well, everybody I, loves. Thank you oh yeah, too. I'm six foot ten, so we got to meet when I go to Vegas. You got to hook me up to meet Brad when I go out to Vegas. When are you going? Oh, Neil? in July. You know yet? Oh, okay. oh, Neil, you're going to get to see eye to eye with Brad Garrett. The guy is six foot, what, 10? Yeah, 11? I'm six foot 10, too. So we got to get a great picture together, Brad and I. And I'm a huge fan. Well, you, you, I told, I always tell Brad, I'm like, how are you six ten and a comedian? You must have zero athletic ability. <laughs> <laughs> I was a former professional wrestler, Steve, and that's where I was talking about the, the semi-concussion. So I guess I was a semi-athlete. But I thought I did some Googling. Did Brad ever pro wrestle? I don't, I don't think so, but he did open for Frank Sinatra and for years, and he was actually 
um, opening for Sammy Davis Jr. And he started his career when he was 18 years old. Wow. And when you, when you go to his club, he has all this amazing memorabilia from old days Vegas. And it's just a really cool thing uh, to see. Is he full-time at MGM now? Full-time. Wow. Well, how did those nice acts last thing? I can't believe we're having such a great convo, but it's worth it. It's the end of the day. It's a Friday. Steve, how, how are um, the comics in Vegas surviving with the different acts? Are the acts Man, back you know, and everything in Vegas? Vegas is open now again, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know, I know LA comedy club is doing shows. I, I want to say the laugh factory is doing shows. I, I do know that, that Brad Garrett is doing shows and, and it's sad for me because Vegas was really becoming a, a huge comedy town. I mean, there was two comedy clubs downtown. Jimmy Kimmel had just opened his comedy club next to the link. You had Brad Garrett's, you had LA comedy club, you had laugh factory, you had the comic strip coming into town and, and it was just becoming old Vegas again, where like, for example, last time I was there, I ended up hanging out with, 10 of my friends that we never get to hang out because we're all headliners. Wow. Were they all uh, downtown or on the strip? I mean, we, everybody was, everybody was everywhere. You know, we, well, one guy was at Brett Ernst was at um, the laugh factory and Bert Kreischer was in town and Tiffany Haddish was in town and I was in town and um, uh, Butch Bradley was in town. So, I mean, literally we all were like, Hey, wait a minute, you're in town. You're in town. Oh, we should all hang. And now you've got eight comedians hanging out in the lobby. Having the Rat Pack. Know. Yeah, it was cool. You should have filmed it. <laughs> you know, and of course, Carrot Top and George Wallace and all those guys oh, that have yeah. been there I've forever. had George on my show. I was trying to get a set up interview with Carrot Top I, when I was in Vegas. It's funny, but it's just for work. And I'm calling places trying to get... I went and saw the Blue Man group for free because I interviewed the Blue Man before. And it was just all a blast in Vegas. But I said the next time... I, I, before the pandemic, I was planning having a big event in the in the suite, bring celebrities up, interview all of them, and then the pandemic happened. But yeah, it, break, it breaks your but, heart. But I, but I, I know. But we're going to get through this... Again, Steve Trevino.com for more information. And uh, we'll hang out, man. And I appreciate you, Steve. And appreciate you, Dave. And guys, thanks. Take care. All right, guys. All right, guys. Nice nice Take care, guys. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today.